Welcome to the very first Stronger by Science Fireside Chat. I'm your host, Greg Knuckles, joined by, for the time being, um, a temporary provisional guest host named Eric Trexler. Eric, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I really appreciate the invitation. This is a really big opportunity. I'm not going to let you down. All right, so let's uh, let's dive on into it. So if you didn't listen to the last normal episode of the podcast, we talked about how we're going to start some more just short-term or, or short-form fun content where, you know, I'm sure fitness stuff will come up, but that's not, you know, that that's not the, the purpose of it. It's mostly just two buddies chatting about random stuff. So I put out on social media, hey, hit us with your questions. The more out of left field, the better. Um, apparently out of left field to, to most of our audience <laughs> means uh, fitness questions, spe- <laughs> specifically, how do I work out without a gym? If that is something that interests you, we just put an article up on the website that you can check out. Uh, but we were looking for non-fitness related questions. So quite a few did come in. Um, we're going to bring them up. We're going to chat about them. Uh, and let's see how it goes. I, I will say it was very disappointing. Some of those out of left field questions were word for word questions that are asked on the normal Q and A. And like, <laughs> I think it's the same people who are just like, cool, another avenue for my question. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I get it, but that that's not what we're doing for these episodes. So let's hop right into it. Um, quite a few people asked what sort of media do we consume? Just movies and TV shows? What are we watching these days? What kind of stuff do we enjoy? Uh, so do you want to kick it off? I do because I, I want to start with an enormous disclaimer. Um, anyone that knows me in real life knows that uh, I don't consume film in any capacity whatsoever. Um, I've probably watched a total of, I don't know, maybe 11 movies uh, since I was born. Um <laughs> And the thing is, it's not a conscious decision. So it's not like, I'm like, ah, these movies are trash. I'm out. Every time I watch a movie, I go, wow, what a medium. Like, that was a really entertaining ride. Um, But for some reason, it's like the, I think the time scale of it, Mm -hmm. I just can't wrap my head around sitting down and focusing on it for two hours, sometimes two and a half. But but yeah, I'm going to be mostly useless in this conversation, but... No, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. Uh, and what we're going to discuss in the second half of this episode is work-life balance. And I feel like you've already partially alluded to how we're both going to respond to that question. Like, yeah, it's it's not, it's trivially easy to, to carve out 30 minutes to watch something. Not that hard to carve out an hour to watch an episode of TV. It is kind of challenging to carve out two or if you're talking about driving to the movie theater three hours to watch something yeah Um, so that that is very understandable and it's not even that i don't have the time to spare it's that there's almost like a sticker shock where i look at i go you know 120 minutes you have to be kidding there's no way i could possibly (laughs) do that even though I i totally have 120 minutes but uh but so one of the things we do is every week when it's in season we get together and watch westworld yeah, that's, um, well, started with Game of Thrones, but that's actually how we started hanging out. Um, we knew each other before this, but when I enrolled in the grad program at UNC, um, my wife and I were into into Game of Thrones, invited Eric over to see if he wanted to watch Game of Thrones with us. 
he had like a standing weekly Game of Thrones date with another girl in the program named Jenna. So they started coming over and we started watching Game of Thrones together. Um, and, and I mean, I would I would say that's kind of how we became buddies. I would say so. I do want to clarify. You use the term date there. That was metaphorical. I don't want any salacious rumors starting on, on the podcast here. Jenna and I were not dating. Well, we yeah, had a yeah. standing. We called it an appointment. Okay. You know, an appointment between colleagues. A, a date doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, in, in like a relationship way. I'm just trying to get out ahead of these rumors because fair enough. My girlfriend might listen to this, and I, I'd like to get out ahead of it. Okay. Okay, but uh, but no, yeah, Jenna and I would get together watch Game of Thrones, and then we kind of merged it all into one big Game of Thrones viewing party. Um, but yeah, now we're watching Westworld, and uh, it's pretty solid. I, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what's happening. I, have I been hiding that, or is that clear? No, that's clear. Have you watched season one yet? I, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like I said, we started by watching Game of Thrones together. Uh, Lindsay and I were super into Westworld, so Westworld season two rolls around, and we're like, Dude, we got to watch Westworld together. Um, we get through the first episode, and Eric looks kind of lost. And uh, then it turns out, motherfucker hadn't watched season one. <laughs> I mean, I'm a confident young man, and I figured, you know what? I, I have the intellect to support this. I'm just going to dive in on season two. Turns out, that's a complicated plot. Westworld is a show that confuses you even if you are obsessed with it and you know everything that that's going on like that's kind of its trick you know it, it, that's part of that's one of the reasons it is so easy to get sucked in because it invites fan theorizing and so if you missed an entire season of content you are light years behind yeah now i will say this uh in the interest of fairness at first i thought it was funny that i was so confused <laughs> i still enjoyed it i mean it's <laughs> If you don't know what's happening and you jump into season two, you're basically just watching an old Western, Yeah, which is fun enough. Well, and, and what I will say is like season two was more confusing than season one. So I don't actually think you were that much more confused than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's what I was about to get to is so I watched season two in its entirety. And then I was like, wow, when I go back and watch season one, boy, am I really going to get it. Honestly, I still don't. <laughs> I I think I need to get on some kind of like forums or message boards to figure mm -hmm. some of this stuff out. I try to pick up, like Lindsay talks about it a lot and she seems to make some sense of it, but I have no idea what's going on. Well, so one of the things you need to understand about Lindsay and how she, she consumes media is when she gets really into a show, she will watch the hour of content for that show and then she'll listen to between two and four hours of podcasts about the episode she just watched. Um, so if, when I'm confused watching something, uh, and I mean, she doesn't do this for every show, obviously. Like there's there's a finite number of hours in the day and there's a finite number of podcasts. But she was like this for Game of Thrones. Um, she's like this for Westworld. She does this for, for a couple other shows, but only the one she's super, super into. Um, she, she is out there making sure that she is as caught up as a human could be. But yeah, if you're if you're just watching the show as it comes as it comes out, I feel like Westworld does a pretty good job of explaining what you have just seen over the last 10 hours of the previous season 
in the last episode or two. But up until that point, like it, it is it is a pretty wild ride and you're never quite sure what's going on. Yeah, she kind of treats her entertainment like the uh, like the Game Changers universe where it's like, <laughs> is it like 90 minutes of content? Sure, but that doesn't mean you can't have a 16-hour podcast about it. Correct. You know, yeah. and then maybe a 60,000-word article about that. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure she's probably gotten into all the all the details on game changers as well but uh so westworld is going on what else are you watching these days uh, i mean i figure we shouldn't leave the westworld discussion there uh what, what do you like i don't know anything about it what do you like about westworld what what character do Dude. you most strongly identify with <laughs> i i don't want to admit this but by far my favorite character in season two was like the you know the 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 man in black is that what they call him yeah um he was awesome i mean he was terrible uh, literally the worst person completely despicable but a very complicated character mm -hmm. and i think that's my favorite thing in any kind of entertainment is i like the characters that are extremely complicated that um you're like you know what i hate you but in a pretty good way yeah, yeah, you know, like he he was so interesting and hard to, it was hard to look away. Mm -hmm. A lot of the scenes where he was featured. So I'm not I'm not gonna lie. So far in the new season, we haven't seen him yet, which to me is a huge bummer. I'm, I was complaining about that privately the other night. Uh, I, I wish he would come back. Am I, am I imagining this, or did you go to like a Halloween party dressed up as old William one time? <laughs> I did, but it's even worse than that. Um, <laughs> I, I used to... So he's like an absolute piece of trash, like a unspeakably bad person. And so I used to tell my girlfriend that I really identify with that character just to kind of bother her mm -hmm. <laughs> and be like, this is who you're dating. But um, so I, I got the costume as a joke, but I wasn't able to go out that Halloween. Yeah. And so it's even worse because I went as him a year after he was relevant <laughs> so like, if i went at the right time it would have been like eric sick william costume but i went a year later everybody's like why are you wearing a hat like what what, what is happening you're wearing a hat and gloves oh, i don't a, get it that's amazing because like his hat isn't even shaped like a, a typical cowboy hat yeah so it just didn't work at all yeah and uh yeah it was a, it was a disaster my girlfriend was supposed to go as one of the other characters mm -hmm. she bailed so it was kind of like that always sunny episode where they were supposed to go as like mario and luigi and one went as uh aragorn <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from lord of the rings yeah and he's like dude now i'm just like a, a creepy italian plumber um it was like that i was like just some creepy dude in a in a hat that's amazing uh so yeah westworld we both love it um, it's a very fun show, especially if you don't mind being confused. It is not a show to watch casually. It's not a show to like put on as background noise when you're doing chores. But if you really want to get sucked into a TV show, Westworld is, uh, is super good. Are, are you currently watching anything else? Um, I want to start watching devs. I just watched a bunch of always sunny. Mm -hmm. So like my, my, uh, my bench in terms of show references we've already reached the end of it i made one <laughs> i made one always sunny reference that's all i got i mean i might have a seinfeld reference or two in me but 
but I, I fear that I'm going to become less and less relevant uh, as this conversation progresses, but I'm going to do my best. I hate to admit this. So I also love Always Sunny. Like I would say 90% of the episodes I've watched gets get at least one belly laugh out of me. I'm only like midway through season three. You're kidding me. Well, I've also watched all of season either 10 or 11. Oh. Uh, they, they had it on an airplane. Um, and this was like a trans-Pacific flight. So I, I meant to get work done on the airplane. Um, <laughs> and I did. I did. In my defense, um, this was when I had like an older laptop that was too large. Uh, and so it wouldn't open all the way on an airplane. Wasn't I on this flight? No, I think this was another one. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, like the person in... So I could I could get it barely open enough to to do work if the seat in front of me was up, but as soon as you know as soon as it became night and the person in front of me laid their seat back, I literally just could not work. So I watched an entire season of Always Sunny, which which was terrible for everyone around me because <laughs> I I'm not someone who suppresses laughter. When when I find something funny, I fucking laugh, and people can deal with that. Yeah. Um. So I I definitely kept everyone around me up for, for probably the better portion of five hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've watched like one of the later seasons and like the first three seasons, but dude, it's so funny. You know they're on season like fourteen, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's. I I'm devastated to hear that you have mostly caught the early part because. They followed a trajectory. I, I this is gonna much like Seinfeld. So there's my second reference that I'm done. <laughs> but they followed that same trajectory where they started as like, hey, let's try to make a show mm -hmm. with characters that might theoretically exist. And then after a while, there's only so many funny circumstances that you can insert those characters into. Mm -hmm. And much like with Seinfeld, they're like, okay, Plan B everyone's going to become despicable in the funniest ways. We're not even going for anything resembling normal life. Mm -hmm. And they just lean into it so hard. And so the character development goes totally off the rails. The plots go totally off the rails and it just gets better and better. It's like you keep expecting like, okay, this season it's going to fall off and it just doesn't. No. Yeah. So my, my experience with always sunny is I had not watched it. Um, so I didn't have like cable for most of the time I was growing up. Um, and so I, I didn't get into it when it was new. Uh, I'd never seen it before. We were friends at this point. So like you had recommended it to me very hard. Um, I watched an entire season on an airplane and that was my, that was my first exposure to it. Um, and so I, I told Linz like, Hey, want to know why I was laughing the whole flight and keeping everyone around me awake the whole time? <laughs> Uh, I watched that show Eric told us about. It was super funny. We should check it out. So we pulled it up on Hulu and started on season one. Um, and there were, it was good. I mean, like I found it entertaining, but it wasn't as good as the entire season I'd watched on the airplane. And now at like the, the back half of season three, things seem to be ramping up, like following that trajectory you talked about. Yeah. Um, God damn, that show's funny, though. You must have just been absolutely stunned when you went back and started season one and you're like, this isn't what I was watching. I mean, it, it is a yeah. tangibly yeah, different yeah. show, yeah. you know, but uh, but yeah, you've got 
a lot of entertainment ahead of you for sure. Dude, Always Sunny is also it's it's my favorite show to bring up as a trump card whenever someone says like ah everyone's so easily offended these days like i watched this very off-color movie or tv show in the 80s and like no way could it get made today it's just (laughs) like are you aware of always sunny in philadelphia like it's it's probably more off-color than any other piece of media that has been that long running maybe with the exception of south park that is very true, but I, I think the thing that's fascinating about it is if you watch an episode and you talk to somebody who theoretically would be like in the wheelhouse of, I know who would be very offended by that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Someone where the thing that you, you just can't say that they're talking about, like it would be very personal to them. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you have that opportunity, like the people who should be offended by it are like, nah, dude, they nailed it. Like it it was the way they approach it is um, they're not taking cheap shots at people Mm -hmm. or just using it for shock value. They actually approach the topics really effectively, in my opinion. Like they they have a a way of doing it where it's like you said, like you're still allowed to do comedy, but like just try to suck less at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If your only approach to comedy is like, I'm just going to make a lot of people mad and there's going to be no like actual wit behind it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe you're not allowed to do that as much anymore, but why did you ever do it in the first? Like, it's just not, it's not good. That honestly is uh, just one of my favorite genres of comedy, just, just purely for the irony of it, where, you know, you're just like, oh man, like, you know, the people are trying to shut me down. They're saying I can't tell these jokes anymore. (laughs) They're silencing me. And it's like the 14th Netflix special of the last 12 months where that's been the general theme of it. (laughs) Where it's like, so you say this, yet you probably got a seven-figure deal to make this comedy special. And there's like dozens that are exactly like it. Seems like maybe you're not actually being silenced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that would be be one way to interpret the revolving door of contracts that they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so that's always sunny. Um, so you mentioned devs. Uh, you haven't started it yet. No. We're we're called up, I believe. If we're behind, it's like one episode behind. Um, it's good. It's um. It, it's it, I mean, like it's a serious show. It's not it's not something you want to put on if you know you're just trying to to tune out and look for some escapism. It's it's almost like an entire season of TV that's like a Black Mirror episode. Um, so, uh, are we doing spoilers? Oh, that's a good question. Th- th- this is currently ongoing. So we, I, we did so a I, ton of prep work for this. I don't think we covered. <laughs> we did absolutely no prep work for this. Uh, yeah, l- let's uh, let's not do spoilers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's like vaguely dystopian. Um, it's Ron Swanson is a crazy tech genius, dude. What's his name again? I'm so bad with names. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman, yeah. Um, I've come to realize I'm never going to watch him in any piece of media and not immediately think it's Ron Swanson. Yeah, because I. So it wasn't until pretty recently that I saw an interview with Nick Offerman to see, you know, what is this dude actually like? What does his voice sound like? Sometimes that throws me for a loop. So another 
Another show that uh, that Lindsay and I watched was called The Americans. It's about like Soviet spies living as as Americans and doing undercover stuff. Um, and one of the actors in that show, I believe, is is Welsh or Scottish. I think Welsh. Um, but he does he does a flawless American accent. Um, and I just assumed he was an American dude. And the first time I saw an interview with him, I was like, holy shit, what's going on right now? Anyway, it was not like that with Nick Offerman. Um, Nick Offerman's voice is Ron Swanson. Yeah. And I don't think he ever affects a voice for any character ever. So <laughs> no. it's just Ron Swanson voice coming out of everyone's mouth. Um, and, and so I, I'm also like that. Like if, if I see a character in a role that that they just absolutely nail that is who they are to me forever yeah um so oh man and and another thing to note is i think i partially do this as a defense mechanism because i'm really bad with names so not only pronouncing names but remembering names um and so uh i got it hugh laurie so Hugh Laurie, my mom loved House when I was growing up. Yeah, House MP. yeah. Uh, and so there was a BBC show a while back called The Night Manager with Loki as the hero. I, I don't remember that guy's name. Tom Hiddleston. Yes, dude, I'm doing pretty well today. Yeah, this isn't bad. Um, so he's, he's the hero and House MD is an international arms smuggler. Um, and so that's how I always describe it to people because... House MD comes to mind way before Hugh Laurie does. Yeah. Um, people are like, what the fuck? That sounds like the weirdest spinoff ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. It, like, it's the actor. I don't remember his name. Um, anyway, devs. So, yeah, it has Ron Swanson as a as a crazy tech guy. Um, there's, like, some murders and a lot of tech stuff. Uh, without giving away any of the plot, it would be difficult to describe why the show is good mm-hmm. but it is it is very engrossing i'd highly recommend it yeah i the reason that i i want to watch it is uh i actually i saw an advertisement for it when i was watching always sunny on hulu i think mm-hmm. and anything with nick offerman i'm like yeah i'll give it a shot because mm-hmm. him as ron swanson was probably one of my favorite things in the just under the concept of television, like any type of television entertainment, him as Ron Swanson is very high at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. He speaks to me in a way that no other character can. And uh, it got to the point, uh, some of my colleagues in grad school would weekly remind me, hey, did you know that you actually are Ron Swanson? And uh, so I, I, it was like, it's almost like he's my alter ego or, or part of me in a way. I mean, we currently work with Ron Swanson. What? Mike Zordos. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Mike That's is, true. Mike is the man. So his, uh, I don't know if he's changed this, but um, I don't want to lie. I think it's his university email address. It might be his personal email address, but one of the two, like his, uh, his like signature has several Ron Paul quotes at the bottom. Um, <laughs> one of them... One of them, and, and I don't know if this is still the case, but it used to be. It was like uh, the government hates theft because it doesn't like competition. <laughs> uh, but like he works for a state university, which which yeah. to me is exactly the same as Ron Swanson being that, that like is, yeah. hyper libertarian, but working for the Parks Department. I think um, 
I think ideologically, Zordos is a much better Swanson impersonator, but I think just in terms of being a general curmudgeon, I think that's really what 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 is is cause causing the uh, the equivalence there between me and Ron is just being the grumpiest, most curmudgeonly person possible. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, I definitely want to see Devs. It's going to be interesting to watch him in a different role, but I'm sure he's going to be great. I agree. Um, so yeah, last TV show, not currently watching. Um, it's currently all fair. I don't actually know if it's going to come come back, uh, but it was it was a show that I think that way too few people watched. Like I didn't I didn't see a ton of people talking about it, and I feel like they should have been because it was super good. And that is Fargo. Uh, I think it was on FX, and that there are either three or four seasons. Um, and so if you've seen the Coen Brothers movie Fargo. Season one of the TV show is basically just like an expanded version of that movie, um, which so both of us watch way more TV than films. And I, I think one of one of the benefits of the medium is that if you have uh, a complex plot and a very character driven story, which the Fargo movie is a very character driven movie, um, you can just you can do that better in the television medium, I think. Just because you have a longer runtime, you can show more about the characters, like get the audience more invested in the characters. Um, you know, you can you can tell a more complex story. Um, so season one of Fargo is, in my opinion, an improved version of the Fargo movie. And then the next two seasons tell completely different stories within the same like Fargo universe. And Oh man, so they're they're like crime, kind of like detective-y type stories. Um, they have very, very interesting plots, very, very rich characters. And this could just be like my cultural prejudice as, as a Southern person. But I, in my opinion, the, the show maintains like a good sense of levity because there's at least one or two characters in every season that have an incredibly thick Minnesota accent. <laughs> and um, I don't know. To me, that's just a very good vibes accent. Oh, for sure. Very good accent. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Fargo. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'll probably never get to it. <laughs> I, I have a, an extremely <laughs> narrow scope of of what's on my to-watch list. When, when someone like gives me a show and they're like, hey, you should watch this, I... I I find it to be so offensive where I'm like, how dare you commit me <laughs> to several hours of anything? Mm -hmm. um, one honorable mention. This is, I, I did that to you. I told you, you got to reinvest in Peaky Blinders. Mm -hmm. Such a cool show. Um, don't have time to get into all of it because we'll probably want to move on soon, but big time recommendation. You're missing out. That show is sweet. Uh, the main character is dead inside. Um, there's just no life behind his eyes whatsoever, and much like uh, much like the man in black from Westworld, I just I'm a sucker for a main character that's dead inside. I mean, like I mean, even Ron Swanson is mostly dead inside. Mm -hmm. Something about that just calls to me. Um, I don't want to think too much about it. <laughs> I don't want to get too introspective about that. Yeah, but yeah. that that character to me, I just I don't know. It's so intriguing. We have to mention one movie. I think we haven't mentioned a movie yet, have we? We haven't. We said it was going to be movies and TV, so 
I'm going to yield the floor for the movie segment. <laughs> Here's a fun movie fact for everyone. That'll, uh, that'll work. That's enough. Related to the the temporary guest co-host sitting across from me right now. Um, when Avengers Endgame came out. So, <laughs> so one thing just to know about me and my movie watching habits is like, I'm not, I'm not really a, a theater person. Um, it's, it's a lot of money. Like you got to drive there. Uh, it's like a whole big thing. You, you have to go at a particular time where there's a showing, like whatever. It, it's not, it's not my bag. Most of the movies I watch in the theaters these days are Marvel films. Um, just because like, if I'm going to spend the time and money to watch something in theaters, I want it to be an action movie for the most part. Um, just because I, I do feel like, you know, big action sequences do titillate the senses better on the big screen with like 5.1 Dolby surround sound. Like it, it's a whole thing. And I, I think that for, you know, like dramas or like suspense movies or whatever, you get the same, for me personally, I get the same vibe from it, watching it at home when it comes out on video. Um, or, well, I guess when it's put on a streaming platform. I haven't watched a video in so long. Um, it's really criminal that they moved away from the VHS format. VHS was <laughs> solid. Very dependable. They would never break. It's a shame. We can agree to disagree. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this, but I will anyways. Um, so <laughs> okay. one, one thing about VHS tapes, which uh, which made them more user-friendly for people who were Luddites and didn't want to learn how to use software, is you could more easily edit a piece of media um, in a very analog fashion. Yeah. So I, I I've told you this before, so you know you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So I I grew up in like a young Earth creationist household, um, and I loved Land Before Time. Like that that was my shit growing up. Land Before Time and Winnie the Pooh and Power Rangers. Those were those were like the three media franchises that I was that I was all about. Um, and in the intro to Land Before Time. It was just like millions of years ago, dinosaurs roamed the earth. It's like it's like a voiceover thing at the start of the at the start of the film. Um, <laughs> so like my my my, uh, my parents got like the Land Before Time VHS. We watched it together as a family, and that came on. And like my parents had to pause it and be like, "So first off, that's bullshit," uh, and then. So one of the things you can do with VHS tapes is like you can open the tape up, you can find the like individual physical frames that are that are bad and take scissors and cut them out. And then like I think I think some people would just tape it back together. I think she used heat to like yeah. like kind of weld the tape back together. <laughs> uh and so, I mean, like, I've probably watched Land Before Time 50 or 60 times. Like, th that was my jam growing up. Yeah. Um, but I only I only ever heard about how long ago dinosaurs roamed the Earth the first time we saw it together. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to imagine you watching it at a friend's house and being like, dude, did you get, like, the director's cut? <laughs> When did they start doing that? <laughs> the Peter Jackson extended <laughs> yeah. edition. 
Yeah, it's Land Before Time, but it's actually seven hours long. Yeah. There's all sorts of deleted action scenes. Uh, where was I going with this? Movies. Okay, so just back on the general concept of movies. Um, so yeah, like most of... Oh, do you, I remember what I was talking about. We got way off topic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mostly watch stuff in the theaters. Um, or, or mostly watch stuff just when it comes out on video. Only action stuff is what I watch in the theaters for the most part. Um, so when Endgame came out, uh, most of our friends had been watching the Marvel films or you know, had watched enough of them that they were more or less up to date on the plot. Fucking Trex had watched zero Marvel movies before <laughs> Endgame came out. I but... didn't even know the character names. <laughs> but, but he came to watch Endgame with the group. Uh, how, how did that go? I mean, it's it's a simple enough story that it was pretty straightforward to follow, right? I just kind of assumed it was an Eric Helms biopic. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like... One of these characters looks familiar. No, it was it was pretty simple. The guy with the really purple skin seemed generally disliked. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it was fine. I, there was a lot of action. It was good stuff. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was was really good at it. You know, he's he's a good actor. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was good. I liked it. I, I thought it was easy enough to follow, but there were certain key times in the film where someone would do something or say a line mm-hmm. and, like, you would... You could tell based on the vibe in the theater that an important thing happened. It was like supposed to be a callback or something. Yeah, it was either like a callback or a joke or like a something that would make you gasp. And I would I I missed a hundred percent of those for sure. <laughs> so th- there was certainly some impact to the film that I wasn't feeling. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, it was you know it was close enough. I mean that that's kind of my experience viewing most things is I dive in toward the very end. Or, or kind of midstream, like with Westworld, and I'll be like, I think I can piece this together. <laughs> I usually don't, but I never learn. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so in, in terms of, of films that I have seen, you know, I shouldn't say films, movies. One of these is, I would say, a film. The other the other ones are movies. Important distinction. Um, but in terms of stuff that that's still in theaters, pumping them out all the time, I enjoy the Marvel movies. They're not intellectually challenging, but they're big and fun, and I think they're enjoyable in theaters. Same thing with the Fast and Furious movies. Like, here's one thing I'll say. I unironically love those movies, and I think that, like, I think a lot of people watch Fast and Furious, like, 1, 2, and 3, and they're like, eh, whatever. Like, this isn't really my bag. Um, like they're movies for people who are very, very into car culture, but they're not just like kind of stock action movies. And after I believe Fast and Furious 5, they did just become like big, fun, stupid action movies, um, which work really, really well on the big screen. So if you haven't watched a Fast and Furious film since like fucking 1999 or whatever, you should check them out. They're, they're fun. Um, the most recent one was the first spinoff. It was Hobbs and Shaw. Um, so it's, it's the rock and dang it, the bald guy. Statham. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Jason Statham. Um, so I didn't think it was quite as fun as, you know, when the whole crew is together, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, those are fun movies to watch in theaters. I think 
the the recent film that you were going to say something i was going to say uh my experience with fast and furious is uh the most predictable story of all time oh absolutely um i mean but my personal i as you can imagine i dove in Mm -hmm. you know very late in the series um but that was one instance it's not like diving into westworld (laughs) yeah yeah so (laughs) i had an ex-girlfriend who was like it's my birthday. I love these films. I want you to take me to see the new Fast and Furious. It was like, you know, Fast and Furious 26 or whatever it was. And we we're on the way to the theater and she goes, I'm going to go ahead and explain the plot to you. And I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember just kind of smugly chuckling and being like, I think I'll get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she, yeah, there was one character who forgets a lot of things. That was an important uh, plot point but yep. everything else i pieced together that's like that's like the closest thing to <laughs> even marginally complicated relationships so like yeah in, in the first few movies like um you know the the fbi guy is like you know kind of working with the car thieves but like kind of loyal to the fbi like whatever and then like in some of the more recent ones like letty um gets amnesia or whatever but yeah i mean they're you don't have to think too hard when when you're watching them. They're just big fun movies, which and, which do play so much better on the big screen than like a home TV system. And, and there's kind of a a universal language when you see Dwayne the Rock Johnson flex and bust <laughs> out of a cast with a broken limb. You don't need a backstory. You understand exactly what's happening. Absolutely. By the way, he never got his people never got back in touch about co-hosting. The podcast would you believe that that's a damn shame yeah so I, I moved on uh so the movie i have seen pretty recently which is more on the film side of things than the movie side of things is knives out um i think i got some oscar buzz this past year i don't really follow entertainment industry stuff um but saw that in theaters it was i went into it with like kind of low expectations um not because i thought it would be bad but just because it did seem like kind of a character driven thing um just watching the the previews and the commercials for it and so i kind of i kind of expected it to be a story where i'd be like you know i kind of wish that there was more of this and that it was a tv show instead of a movie um but yeah no it it was a nice fun little self-contained murder mystery it was really well done, very slick. Um, it was something where I would have been just as happy to watch it on a TV as in the theater. But it was a fun story, and I would highly, highly recommend checking it out. Awesome. Are you ready to, to move on from the TV and film segment? Let's move on. All right. So we got a question on Facebook. Um, the, the, I'll, I'll just read the question. We can go from there. The question was, how have we managed to keep work-life balance? Um, <laughs> you came to the right place. I can tell you that. Um, Greg, why don't you start? How do you do it so well? So as I do so often in Q&A segments on the regular podcast, um, I'm going to begin by contesting a premise of the question. <laughs> and uh, that is... That we do, in fact, maintain work-life balance. So, Eric, when, when did you go to sleep last night? Approximately 4 a.m. Sick. 
and still got up at normal work time today. Yeah, I just generally don't sleep much, um, even if I try. But uh, what about you? When did you go to bed? Yeah, like 4.35. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we don't really do the whole work-life balance thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we have a corporate culture that if you wrote it down on paper would be... Um, it's like it's like industrial revolution turn of the century stuff like (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah like if we forced someone else to do it it would probably violate some clause of the geneva convention (laughs) yeah uh which so okay let's nuance this a little bit (laughs) yeah i'm not recommending this uh i do think that there is too much of like a culture that glamorizes working too much and just like workaholism in general. Right. And so I don't want it to sound like we're doing that. Um, Cause like, I think it's bad, but um, I don't do it out of a sense of obligation or that I think it's good. I just kind of like working. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the way I put it a couple weeks ago when we were talking to somebody, it's not when it's two in the morning and, and you realize you're going to be up till four. You're not thinking, you know, if I don't stay up till four, the company's going to fold. I'm not going to be able to, you know, support myself or, mm-hmm. you know, s- some project is going to just absolutely crumble in our hands. You don't go to sleep because you're like, I'm on a roll, baby. <laughs> like, how could I possibly go to sleep when I've got all these ideas rattling around in my head? Yeah. Or yeah. when I'm, you know, really, really locked into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, the, the difference is I would never, you know, the, the, the term I always see on the internet is grind. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no friction. There's, there's no grinding going on. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very well lubricated. <laughs> exactly. We just like what we do. And yeah. one of the things I, I've talked to people about work-life balance in the past, and, and generally speaking, I think it's a great idea. I think you I think you listening should have it. I've tried it. I hated it. Yeah. Well, I'm, so here's what I'll say about my life recently. I'm doing, I am doing a much better job with work-life balance than I have previously. Um, but like pretty frequently, if there's something I'm working on when Lindsay goes to sleep and I say like, look, I'm trying to finish this one thing up. It's only going to be another like 30 minutes to an hour. Very frequently when that happens, um, I see like some light coming through the windows and it's like six 30 and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, shit, uh, that wasn't an hour. Um, but it, it, it is just like. I get so engrossed in what I'm doing and so sucked into it that I have difficulty pulling myself away. Like you said, it's not grinding at all. Um, like I'm already very tired, but I would rather do this than sleep, which maybe that's a pathology. I don't know. Again, yeah. we're not saying this is necessarily a good thing, um, but I think it's to some degree just how both of us are wired. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think if, uh, could you imagine if we just put out a call and be like, hey, anybody want to join the gang? And just like, the only real requirement is like, it'd be great if you were available at 2.30 in the morning for like a 
just like a random idea. Like yeah. if I see something interesting in a paper, I'd like to be able to bounce it off of you mm-hmm. two, three, four in the morning. You, you can't really put that in the, uh, the call for applications. Right. But uh, no, I mean, one of the things that I really struggle with is it, it's a different look at, at work-life balance. It's not like anybody's making me do it or even suggesting I do it, but mm-hmm. when I try to make myself really restrict my work hours or, you know, stop saying yes to stuff, you know, like, oh. Well, and, and, and make sure that, make sure the reader, or not the readers, the, the listeners know this. Like, I message you probably once a month to say like, dude, you seem really tired. You yeah. seem like you're doing a shit ton of work like if you need to do less that's fine yeah like i i am not forcing this on you no 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 not at all i mean you said that like the other day like two days ago um no it's just i really like this stuff and uh i have a very restless mind so when i've tried to force myself to have more work-life balance it's really challenging because i'm like well i'm supposed to be enjoying life right now but I'd really love to be doing some work because that's like a really exciting, fulfilling part of my life. Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing that stuff. So I've never really, f- I still haven't figured out how to make that work where mm-hmm. you're supposed to stop doing the stuff that you really like and mm-hmm. want to keep doing. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's bad. What do you think? So this isn't an answer to that question. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's one of, my just general hot takes about this whole topic. Yeah. Um, so virtually, I, I think that people have a finite amount of hashtag grind in them. And I think that most of that is motivated either by economic necessity, like they find themselves in a situation where unless they do a lot of very unpleasant stuff, they're either going to have to go some other direction with their life, which they think will be even more unpleasant, or like they're going to have a hard time making ends meet. So like I I did do that for a while, like after college for for a bit, uh, finances were were pretty tight, um, and I did a fair amount of work that I enjoyed and a fair amount of work that I didn't enjoy, um, but it was just like you know like got to do it, um, and, and I think that. The other reason why someone might like hashtag grind a lot is if they're like, I guess like kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses, but Mm -hmm. the Joneses aren't your next door neighbors. Like it's everyone on Instagram and you feel like, you know, if I don't have two vacation homes and three Ferraris, then I'm a failure in life. Like I I think that there's some degree of that as well. Beyond that, virtually everyone who's out there talking about grinding, uh, they're not fucking doing it. Especially if it's like internet entrepreneurs. Most of them probably enjoy what they're doing. And most of them probably probably enjoy their job more than you do. Um, yeah. Because like, dude, if if you want to talk about grinding, like it's a grind to be a fucking retail worker. Like it's, it's just like day-to-day people in the economy who are doing something that does actually strongly approximate grinding. Like the, the, the people like 
you know, taking pictures of themselves, like with a laptop by the pool, talking about like, dude, you gotta, you gotta get out there and hashtag rise and grind. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like (laughs) you have the easiest life in the world. Yeah. No, I, I guess that's, that is a good distinction because I, I also had a period in my life where I very much would say I was grinding, Mm -hmm. uh, grad school. There was some grinding going on for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it was that, that same kind of thing where it's like some of the stuff was really fun. Some of the stuff wasn't that fun, but you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of work. And I think maybe part of that has framed the way I look at it now mm-hmm. is that now all of it is exciting and fun and like intellectually stimulating. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to even pretend that you're grinding when you're like, dude, look what I'm doing. Like, this is awesome. Like my, my new version of grinding is... I found some statistical concept to be intriguing. So I simulated a data set and now I'm playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to see what happens. Yeah. Like, I guess that's grinding, but it's really just a, a curmudgeon tinkering around at three in the morning because he is just really excited about it. Yeah. But yeah, if, if you want to talk about grinding, talk to a single mother with two kids working a blue collar job, like right, they're, yeah. they're grinding harder than, anyone who is talking about grinding on Instagram. Yeah. It's a, to, to get back to the topic, I think like the, the concept of work-life balance, um, I'm just not sure it applies that much to people like you and me who are doing something that we genuinely find to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it makes a lot more sense when you are actually grinding mm-hmm. and it's like, dude, you need to step away from that. Like for your own good, if you, if you can afford to, you know, if, if you can, it's going to be good for your mental health and your well-being being to, mm-hmm. to just not be doing that for some fixed amount of time. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's just, it's just really fun. So uh, work-life balance for us is uh, negligible. Let's expand the, the topic of, work, of work-life balance and talk about general macroeconomic trends. That sounds fun, <laughs> doesn't it? So if you ever have time... Um, you should go back and read, read like pamphlets and documents of people interested in or covering or involved in the labor movement in America, Europe, like really pretty much anywhere in the world, um, around, around the turn of the 20th century up until about the time the great depression happened, um, and I think it's interesting reading kind of what they viewed the goal of like the economy to be. So one thing to keep in mind, just kind of historically speaking, is the concept of work-life balance and just like leisure time in general, that's an incredibly new concept. Um, so like hunter-gatherers had a fair amount of leisure time, but then you know, a lot of babies died and a lot of people died of infectious disease really young. And then like agricultural revolution happened and like people would have some downtime. Uh, but it was basically like, you know, you had to, to work enough to tend your fields and raise your livestock and whatnot. And then um, fast forward to, to industrialization, like basically there was a leisure class who did have like a fair amount of leisure time like a a lot of them were folks who had previously like had 
land and nobility under the feudal system and still had a lot of wealth from that. Uh, or people who were very early factory owners who ended up making a ton of money from that. Or people who got who got into the colonialism game early uh, and bought in on like early joint stock companies that ended up returning ridiculous profits. It's so, like there there was a very small minority of the population that did have leisure time and a considerable amount of it. And everyone else kind of looked at it and they're like, look, dude, like we don't mind working a lot, but like weekends would be pretty nice. Or like, you know, a 10 hour work day. Well, it was a 12 hour work day, then it was a 10 hour work day, and then it became an eight hour work day. Um, like, you know, we want to see our family sometimes. Um, we would sometimes like to have a day where we don't have to go into work. And so a lot of the things that um, the early labor movement was pushing for was essentially like, we want more leisure time. Like we don't necessarily have to make an enormous amount of money to live like kings during our leisure time. We just want time that we don't have to be working, that we can spend with family. Um, and so like the Great Depression kind of, that took a reasonable amount of steam out of the labor movement. Uh, and then World War II, like that diverted everyone's attention from, you know, whatever they were worried about domestically to the world war, as it were. Um, but like prior to that, people were just like, look, people are getting like industry is getting more and more efficient. The like median profit that like workers can generate with a given hour of work is going up as technology improves and mechanization keeps progressing. Um, it's like, you know, we have an eight hour workday and two weekend days now, maybe we should try to push for a six hour workday or like, you know, a four hour workday, or we only work four days a week and have Wednesday off as well. Um, so like, for for a while there like people did want better working conditions and better wages but one of one of the goals was we want more work life balance we we want to be able to use like the proceeds of technology and mechanization to you know have a slightly better standard of living but also not have to work as much and really ever since post world war 2 a lot of the focus just in society as a whole has shifted away from that where it's like, okay, we seem fairly chill with a 40 hour work week. So now we just want our standards of living to be as high as possible with a 40 hour work week, instead of saying like, we're fine kind of freezing our standards of living while working less, mm -hmm. which, which was something that people used to be a lot more receptive to, um, which, I don't necessarily know what people listening to this can do with it, but I, I think it's worth, you know, just kind of squirreling away in the back of your mind because that is um, that that is a motivation that a lot of people seemed to have previously found more compelling that in the post-war years, folks more or less just seem to have forgotten about. Yeah. Let me ask you this, going from general to personal here, if I if I asked you to not do any work, Anything that would fall under the work umbrella for four days, how would you feel by day four? By day four, I'd be fine. Um, I don't think I believe you. No, no, no. So our our uh, maximum vacation length is like six days. Okay. So by day six, I'm starting to really get the itch. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, like, dude, we are incredibly fortunate. Correct. Um, you know, if I was taking a vacation and I was going back to, if, if I was going back to a job where someone was telling me what to do, no matter what that thing was, I would, I would want to work way less and take Bro, way longer vacations. <laughs> everybody knows Lindsay calls the shots. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, she gives me the illusion of control. Yeah. Well, she gave me a deadline. She said, last night, I need this done by exactly 4.05 a.m. And I mean, I barely got it in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a fucking lie. (laughs) No. um, But no, I I think when it comes to work-life balance, I think, you know, it's kind of a personal thing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a matter of how you enjoy spending your day. I I think sometimes it it is funny that people um, who just really love their work kind of feel guilty. Like, ah. I'm doing too much of the stuff I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think there are certain circumstances where it's like, you know, you should feel uh, encouraged to fill your day however however you want to, as long as you're not like shirking major responsibilities. I feel you there. All right. So work-life balance uh, just came to the wrong place, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. I think we can all agree it's a scam. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're All right. right about an hour here. You think that I think that probably does it, right? Well, I I think as as the host, I'm the one who can make the decision. Yeah, I think um, that's appropriate. But I was as the co-host, I'll allow you to have that authority. <laughs> I I, w- I was independently thinking on my own that it was about time to wrap it up as well. Um, so yeah, this was the first uh, fireside chat episode of the Stronger by Science podcast. If you enjoyed it, um, yeah, I mean like. If you enjoy these episodes or the regular episodes, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from. That really helps us out. If you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, God, I fucking hate myself for saying this. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, it does actually help. Uh, and yeah, if you did enjoy it, um, leave us feedback wherever you leave feedback, whether that be in a review for the podcast, in a comment on YouTube, in a comment on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know if you like this style of content. Um, let us know what other ideally non-fitness related questions or topics you'd like to see us address. And uh, we will chat with you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Stronger by Science podcast. Now, Greg and I are not experts in medicine or health or really anything else for that matter. So before you make any changes to your diet and exercise habits, make sure you check with a doctor or another healthcare professional. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to support it, visit strongerbyscience.com to check out the products and services that we offer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.